0: For more information regarding the ministries of All Things New Church, please visit us online at www.allthingsnew.us. Tonight, the one who called the entire cosmos into being calls us to attention. And everything that is and ever was and ever will be, the macro and the micro, galaxies beyond number And molecules beyond notice, everything is mysteriously entangled with what happened on that first Friday that we call good. A strange name for it. And in the first chapter of John's Gospel, Jesus looks at Philip and he says to Philip, follow me. And in the last chapter of John's Gospel, Jesus looks at Peter And he says to Peter, follow me. And tonight, we must know, not at an imaginary level, but as real as the chair you're sitting in, Jesus is looking at you now, and he's looking at me now, and he's saying those same words. He's saying, follow me. But to follow him to the cross... And there, of all places, we recoil. We close our ears. Let's hurry to Easter. And let's get there. That's a mistake. If we jump too quickly from the pain of the cross to the joy of the empty tomb, we can't really celebrate Easter. The center of our faith. The very heart of the Christian faith is Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. But we like to rush past the past, right into the present, so that we can hope for the future. But that is a cataclysmic mistake. We cannot fully embrace Easter unless we give ourselves fully, heart, mind, soul, imagination, and body to the horror of Good Friday. The philosopher Alfred North Whitehead, he liked to say, the only simplicity that can be trusted is the simplicity on the far side of complexity. He's right. Richard John Newhouse agreed with Whitehead, and he added, the only joy to be trusted is the joy on the far side of a broken heart. And the only life to be trusted is the life on the far side of death? We don't like that. We want to rush past that. We want to rush to Easter with our triumphalistic kind of approaches to Christianity. We want to get to the empty tomb too quickly. But tonight, our need is to stay a while with Christ crucified. Our need is to stay. With the death of the Son of God. So that we can get to a trustworthy simplicity. So that we can get to the joy and the only life that can be trusted. We have such sneaky ways of refusing to stay here with the cross. We jump to explanation. It's far easier to explain the cross than it is to stay and stare and be with the cross. We jump into our kind of cliché terms explaining what it's all about instead of entering deeply into the cross. But when we do this, it's like we're treating the cross like that starfish lying on your lab table in biology, stinking of formaldehyde. It's like we're treating the cross as if, as if it's this object that we can stand back from and, and observe and analyze as some detached scientist. We treat it like a specimen, like a trophy. But so often... In our explanations of this brutal reality of Christ crucified, we jump right past the brutal reality of Christ crucified. In our explanations, so often they're nothing more than attempts to make Jesus conform to our own understanding. And there are other ways that we avoid staying with the cross. We refuse Good Friday services, and we jump to Easter outfits and Easter traditions, and we get ourselves so busy with work and a million things on our to-do list that we make no time for this, but everything about tonight, everything. From the songs that have been selected to this long scripture reading, to the pace, the incremental, painfully slow pace of this service, everything about tonight is designed to force our hand, to lead us on a journey into the mystery and the wonder, to find ourselves at the foot of the cross, looking up into the eyes of a dead man. Who wants to do that? Tonight, we see the death of the Son of God. (laughs) Why would we do that? Why would anyone enter into the spiritual and physical darkness of Good Friday? Why would we ever go to the intellectual, the emotional, the social, and political darkness of the cross? Because the cross... It's the only way home. It's the only way to the Father. The cross, the brutal humiliation of Jesus. This is the place where the truth of God is most clearly revealed. God is most clearly revealed in the shame and the suffering and the humiliation and the degradation of the cross. Now, I'm not saying that as we look at the cross tonight, we'll understand it. Surely, if anything, tonight reminds us that anything we have to say about God cannot do justice to God. Tonight tells us that. So much of what we say about God merely domesticates and tames the wildness of the God that we Christians worship. Who refuses to be put in a box. Who refuses to ever play by our rules. Who refuses to live according to our preconceived theologies. What about the awful cry of Psalm 22? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Matthew's account of the crucifixion, Jesus shrieks those words. What does that mean? It's one thing for David, the human, who wrote those words hundreds of years ago in the Psalter. It's one thing for him to say this astounding prayer. But it's another thing entirely for God, the Son, to say to God, the Father, you've abandoned me. What is that? What sense does that make? This asks too much of us. If you are the Son of God, you should not be saying this. If you are God, if you're the second person of the Trinity, how can you abandon yourself? It boggles the mind. This is a God with a problem. We can't understand this night. And what about I thirst? How can the second person of the Trinity thirst? How can God need anything? Has he stopped being God in that moment and become only a human? What does that mean? And why, out of all the physical abuses of the cross, decades and decades later, why does John remember that? Why doesn't he say, I hurt? Why doesn't he say, I'm in pain? Why of all the physical abuses, that? What does this mean? Why is thirst singled out? And while we're at it, why in the world does God ever let himself even suffer? Why is love suffering love at the heart of creation? Why can't the heart of creation be love without suffering? That's what I want in my life. I don't want to suffer anymore. Why is this the way God makes it? This night is beyond us. And what really Really, honestly, what kind of redeemer dies on a cross? And what made it possible for one criminal to recognize this loser hanging on the cross as one who's coming into a kingdom? No, the invitation to stay a while is not the invitation to comprehend. It is not the invitation to understand. There are depths of mystery here that we can never plumb. But still, we must stay. We must refuse to allow the confusion and the pain and the brutality to drive us from this mystery. We have got to stay in the eclipse. We have got to see that the Son of God is forsaken. That God the Son is God forsaken. We must stay with that. And that's the real horror. That is the real horror of this night. The physical horror of the crucifixion is an awful and shameful thing. It is unbelievable. I I cannot imagine seeing a living human being, a living body, breathing and seeing and hearing, still able to feel and yet reduced to the state of a corpse by being fixed immobile to a piece of wood. I, I can't imagine seeing this. And yet, John describes the physical horror of the crucifixion in a single phrase, translated into only four words in English. Not two and a half hours of Hollywood brutality, but four words. They crucified him, and he moves on. Just like he handled the scourging. They scourged him, and he moves on. Why? Why does John treat so quickly what we fixate on so profoundly? Because John, after decades, realized that the greatest horror of the night, the deeper fact of the cross, is that God the Son is forsaken by God the Father, and He dies forsaken. Who can believe this? Who can believe that this naked man condemned to death is God in the flesh? Who can believe Jesus scorned, stripped, mocked this Jesus who has no dignity left, nailed to the wood? This is God in the flesh? This is why we must stay a while. The mystery Of Jesus. Descended into failure. And pain. Letting himself. Be trampled. We must stay with this. And in the deep darkness. Of the cross. Suddenly. As we're wondering if our eyes will ever adjust to this night. We hear the words. It is finished. It is finished. And then suddenly a ray of light begins to force its way under the door. This it is finished. This is no death gurgle. This is not I'm done for. This is the cry of victory. God has finished what only God can finish. Christ's sacrifice is a gift that exceeds every debt ever owed. Our sins have been consumed. Jesus dies with the cry of the victor on his lips. Not the moan of the defeated. Not the Socratic sigh of patient resignation. But the triumphant recognition that now, only now, And forever now, He has fully accomplished the work He came to do. The cross is not a defeat waiting to be reversed on Easter morning. The cross is the victory. That's why we must stay at the cross. We must stay with the cross until we see it is victory. The cross, it is the victory Of our God over his head. Pilate had fixed a sign, mockingly writing in three languages, the King of the Jews. And what we must see is that the three language King of the Jews, the universal King, he is not delaying his kingship by being crucified. Rather, crucifixion is the way this king rules. Crucifixion is kingdom come. Your suffering is kingdom come. In that moment, the king had come. A new age has begun. The kingdom is here. A new regime is inaugurated. A a whole new way of life has been created for those of us who worship the crucified one. This is why we must stay a while. And behold. Three times. In that passage, we're told behold. Anytime you cross the word behold in scripture, You need to realize that most of the time in Scripture you see the word behold. It's the narrator telling the reader to see with his own eyes what he's describing. Behold the man. Behold the king. And then let me change it for you. Behold Mary. listen to me, Mary. Look at me, Mary. Behold your son, Mary. Behold me, Mary. Don't look away from me, Mary. You do want to look away, but right now is when you must look at me, Mary. Behold your son, Mary. And you and I tonight must behold Christ crucified. The crucified Son of God crying out against the Father saying, you've forsaken me. And in that moment, we see God has taken our place. God has become for us the abandonment that our sin produces so that we can live confident that the universe has been redeemed at the cross. Instead of explaining our suffering, Instead of explaining our lovelessness and our forsakenness, God shares it. There is such a mystery here. So come. Tonight, draw near. Stay a while. Behold the mystery and the wonder of Christ crucified. And may we, all of us, catch a glimpse of the love that moves the galaxies beyond number and the molecules beyond notice. Amen.